From the Multiply family of churches, we are Behind Open Doors, a podcast designed to take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. We're located in the U.S., the Hampton Roads region of Virginia. Visit us at multiplythechurch.com. My name is Aaron Danini, Executive Director of the Multiply Family of Churches, and I'm here with our Director of Missions, John Slinker. I think I just talked over you. <laughs> You're such a pro, bro. Hey, man. I try to, I try to do my best over here. That's why the they further keep me we out get in, in the field. The further we get into this, the worse we get. That's okay. Hey. <laughs> um, no, I think the more relaxed we become, right? Yeah, I'm absolutely. To feel a little we would have relaxed, totally right? re-recorded that from, yeah. from the start, for sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and um, I'm loosening up a little bit as we as we get a little bit older in our podcast years. Mm, yes, our podcast beards are growing gray. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Love it. Man, we get to uh, jump into another good discussion today uh, with a church planter, a real live church planter in the flesh yeah. with us in this loud, noisy space. So we, we decided to record at the OV Church offices this time because um, Dylan, this guy we're going to interview, teaches school, and, uh, and Stupid. man, Stupid. we got construction going on, all kinds of hammers and stuff <laughs> going on, so that was not a, not a good choice. Oh, and we took Pastor Jordan's study space for a couple hours here. Yeah. Um, that was not a good move. Was he going to study yeah. that much? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's a, something Brad would have said. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, having Dylan on was was great. Um, yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to get into that discussion. So uh, before we do that, though, we have a little bit of an encouragement for you. Yeah, so as, as we uh, enter the season of giving... We ask that you consider giving to the Multiply Project. Um, we are trying to resource people like who we have on today, um, people who are going out into their neighborhood and uh, taking the gospel with them and um, spending their time and, uh, and their energy and, um, and, and their lives for the gospel's sake, for others' sake. And uh, so it's really uh, a, a great season to give, and uh, we're so grateful for everyone's support to be able to continue making disciples and resourcing leaders right here in the Hampton Roads community. Yeah, I'll put a little Easter egg out there for everybody, too. I have had multiple discussions just this past week of folks, guys, people that are interested Yins. in... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that are interested in becoming a part of this multiply family of churches. And it might be down the road a little ways. Until but, they but hear the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, I'm done interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> but they're considering it, and uh, and we're excited about it. Um, but but these things um, take take resources. You know, it takes yep. resources to come together, to pull these things together, to pull off what we pull off, to equip our churches, to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. And so, uh, yeah, please continue on giving to the Multiply Project. You can make a pledge with us or give a one-time donation, of course, at multiplythechurch.com. And we are just excited for what God is doing in this season um, with the Multiply family, and uh, He's doing some great things. So, yeah. Without, Here we are. Without further ado, yes, uh, we we have we have a uh, one time. I'm not sure if he still is. Uh, we didn't get this far in the podcast today, but a one time Steve Austin fan. <laughs> he talks about the motivations of the heart. He's called to hard soil. He's a Pittsburgh native, born and raised. Yenzer. Yeah, <laughs> he likes big sandwiches. Mm. You'll find KFC and pierogies on his Thanksgiving table growing up. Taylor, his wife, is a public school teacher. She's on the front lines. They have three kids together. He's a church planter, ladies and gentlemen. Dylan Labacken. Let's jump into our convo with Dylan. All right, well, let's just dive right in here. Dylan, we want to put you on the spot like we've done the last few months that you've been in Virginia and just start... Guns a-blazing, man. Why do you want to plant a church in Norfolk, Virginia? 
Wow, you just opened it up right there. I did. Went in, man. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to know you here in a minute, but uh, man, but yeah, just let man. us know, like why why church planning, why this area. Um, give us paint a picture for us. Yeah. Uh, put simply, why plant a church? Uh, we've seen the fruit of it. Um, we've seen folks come in, families get baptized, mom, dad, grandma, grandson, granddaughter, uh, aunts, uncles, and and we've seen that. We've seen that from being a part of a church plant for the past nine years, um, from when we moved to Camden, and, and, and then we moved to the next town over to help start Epiphany Church, Gloucester City, and, and uh, yeah, we've put plain and simply, um, it has made the difference in my life um, in becoming a young, mature, responsible Christian, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I'll just, I'll never forget the, um, you know, being a part of a young church plant and uh, living in Camden like our first year, um, second year of marriage, and being invited to a Thanksgiving dinner at the pastor's house when we knew nobody, mm. you know, and, uh, you know, that, that was the place where, um, where we, where we first started a youth group at our church plant. And, and, uh, yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we saw kids get baptized. We saw families come to Christ and, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, you can edit some of this out. So (laughs) no, that's good. So that sense of like that sense of community and, and belonging sounds like is, is a really big deal for you when it comes to church. Yeah. When it comes to church planting, um, community and belonging, but also just making disciples, plain okay. and simple. Um, yeah, number one best way to make new disciples and to grow mature disciples, uh, because there's there's just a very missional evangelistic aspect that is hard to come by in once your church hits 20, 30, 40 years old. Um, you know, pretty soon you, you have to, you, you, gotta, you gotta make more of an effort to, um, to, to face outward rather than, you know, risk your church uh, facing, facing inward and, mm-hmm. and, and trying to sustain themselves and trying to, um, yeah. Yeah. One of the things I, I haven't, we haven't even discussed before is how you got into church planning in the first place and um, what led you down that route. And you just recently finished up school as well. Uh, praise the Lord. And uh, what, what got you onto this path in the first place? Yeah, uh, for me, uh, like I said, why church planting? Because we've seen its effectiveness. Like, there's something just super special about years one and two, landing on the ground, being missionaries to your community, uh, praying for folks, having dinner with them in your home, praying for them. You know, just just like 100% um, evangelistic and just being the hands and feet of Jesus, right? And so uh, when, when I think about, like, okay, why... Why church planting? I think number one, the centrality of the church, right, and, and its role to to bring to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, right. When I think about that, and then I think about my testimony, like getting saved when I was nineteen, um, out of just a crazy rebellious lifestyle, and just had a just had this crazy urban missionary dude just uh, you know give me community service hours when, when I was going through a really tough time and uh, just poured into my life, brought me into his family, brought me into the church, discipled me. And, um, yeah, so I, I know for me, uh, getting into church planting was a no-brainer because when I became a Christian, it was either, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the gospel and be a Christian and be about it, or, or I'm kind of going to fall off the face of the earth, <laughs> you know? And, and so that was... That was for me. So that that's the, you know, I, I've been saved for like three months, been a Christian for like three months, went to work as a camp counselor, you know, didn't know what I was doing, you know, and, and that's that's how I met my wife. We met on mission. We met serving. And, you know, I just remember from even the earliest days, like, um, you know, uh, making a profession of faith and everything like that and, and being curious about Jesus and be like, yeah, you know, I've decided to follow, so now I need to, like, preach the gospel. And I remember we would do these um, at the sports ministry, um, Urban Impact in the city of Pittsburgh. Like, I just remember, uh, you know, volunteering, like, four or five nights a week and 
you know, because I was like, like, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know? Like, I'm supposed to go and preach the gospel to broken and lost folks. And, you know, I, I remember, like, driving this one teenager home every single every single Monday after our outreach basketball program. We'd bring them in, eat pizza with them, play basketball, and preach the gospel to them, you know? And I just remember, like, being saved for, like, two, three months, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not even knowing what, what I'm supposed to do or say, but I knew that Jesus had made a difference mm-hmm. in my life, you know? And like every single ride, it would just be like a monologue <laughs> of just like, Hey man, like you need to follow Jesus. Like don't do this. And you know, you just feel weird. You feel awkward. You don't really know what you're saying, but yeah, man, I had that same person come back to me years later after we lost contact and just and just reaffirm me and be like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember every single one of those conversations that. And so for me, right, why church planting? Um, because mission has been the theme of of my young Christian mm-hmm. walk, you know. And so from there, right, we, um, my wife and I, graduated college. We, uh, she she worked in the school district of Philadelphia for for five years, and uh, ran after school programs and summer camps in the city of Camden and. Uh, through a nonprofit while we were involved at our church plant and really right there, like at that church plant, um, Epiphany Fellowship Camden at the time is where we saw, um, yeah, where we got connected into mm-hmm. that family and really saw the importance of that. And so I guess we'll, we'll talk about the area coming to Norfolk here in a little bit. Um, so let's kind of, let's back the trolley up a little bit, you know, and just talk a little bit about your story. All right. Um, so you know, what was, uh, what was growing up like for you and, uh, what was your family like? Um, and yeah, where, where do you come from? All those kinds of, uh, origin story questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so me, I'm Pittsburgh born and raised and, um, I love the place, miss it a lot. You know, anytime we can get out there and, you know, we're, we're, we're all about it. It's, not too far of a drive now. It's six, six, seven hours, you know, and looking forward to getting out there for Thanksgiving. But uh, growing up, we had a really close-knit family. Um, you know, I, I remember growing up, mom's Italian side of the family, eating dinner every Wednesday and Sunday uh, at my grandmother's house. And they had these these two big, long tables that were squished together in the middle of, uh, in the middle of this you know, row home and on the side of an alley and stuff and cooking wedding soup and mm. pasta. And, you know, it was, it was a yes. lot of fun, sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, to get to get your cousins there and aunts and uncles and stuff. And wow. lots of good memories, you know, um, you know, dad's dad's side of the family, same close knit, you know, um, you know, just spending Thanksgiving, Christmases together and everything like that. And uh, big question, a, big yeah. question right now. Did you have pierogies on the Thanksgiving table growing up? Just curious. Uh, we always had ham and ham. Kentucky fried chicken. Okay. And so, or ham. Yes. That'll do. So that's, uh, that was on the uh, my grandmother for some reason. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, that area is pierogi town. Um, and I, I uh, actually from uh, about two and a half hours north of that of that city and uh we didn't really eat pierogies a whole lot growing up they're like little you know what they are they're like i mean i've had one before but no i can't really it's like mashed potatoes inside (laughs) of that's right like a ravioli type a large ravioli type of thing right yeah and uh and you steam them and or you could saute them what do you dip them in it sounds like something you dip them in now you just put a whole lot of butter on them and uh and maybe you could put gravy on them too like really it can do almost anything um, and and you get all these different flavors. It's so you eat they're them dry. Somewhat, they're essentially you could, dry. You yeah. could be, because the mashed potato is so nice, yeah. and mushy on the inside. Um, yeah, a ton of butter, salt and pepper is really all you need, though. Yep. Mm. Yeah. What about do you guys? So when we were up in PA last time, uh, we got sick off of pizza balls. Well, you did. <laughs> well, I don't. Know. <laughs> some, of I mean, have, some of us have iron guts. Look, we just had stuff. Brad on the show last week. <laughs> You know, I don't know if I should out him this time, but uh, anyways, no pizza balls pizza in balls? Pittsburgh. No. No. Deep fried dough with pepperoni and cheese on the inside. No, we ate a lot okay. of pizza. Okay. But uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Food. Yeah. Let's, that, let's, we should start a food podcast at some yeah. point. That'd be yeah. kind of fun, right? Okay. Permani Brothers, <laughs> is it, is it, uh, does it, does it meet 
the hype in your mind? Oh yeah, in your heart, absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah, definitely. Good. If you haven't, what's the biggest sandwich you've eaten from Primanti Brothers? The biggest thing. The biggest sandwich, yeah. Like name the layers. Oh my gosh, they're they're all big. Normally it's like fries, coleslaw, egg. On the sandwich, but oh yeah, on one sandwich, oh, yeah. one bite is one sandwich. Yeah. yeah, and then you and then you wash all that down with your favorite <laughs> beverage. And, you know, it's it's killer. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. Interesting. Okay. So that's good. Uh, back to the origin story. You yeah. uh, you got you're big slamming famine. pierogies and pizza balls <laughs> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> um, KFC. KFC. I'm trying to remember if KFC was Thanksgiving or Easter. I think it was Easter. Mm. Now that I remember. Gotta, yeah. gotta have the ham. Gotta have the ham. Um, lots of family sitting around the table. Mm-hmm. Lots of kids running around. Yeah. yeah. Cousin cousin time. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's nothing like cousin time growing oh, up. Yeah. You know, right. like that's sure. just, oh, yeah, for that's sure. a fun time. Yeah. So you got an older brother, is that right? Yep. So we have my older brother. He's 10 years older than me. And then we have my older sister, who's seven years older than me. And then my younger sister, who's seven years younger than me. And so there was a really, really big age gap, you know, uh, 17 years between the oldest and Homie, your parents have amnesia (laughs) or what? Well, I don't want to out them right here, (laughs) you know. (laughs) I have a similar situation. uh, My twin sisters are 16 years younger than me. That's right. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I get it. That's crazy. So, brother, 10 years older than you, what was that like? Uh, we we were closer than close, man. We we shared bunk beds, you know. Wow. <laughs> so it was cool. like, yeah. it was like he was seventeen and I was seven, and you know, probably not like you know the best of situations when like your teenage brother has his friends over on yeah. like a Friday or Saturday. You, you grew up, you know quick. what I'm saying? You and, grew up quick with an older brother like that. Yeah, mm. you know, but loved him to death, man. Mm. Remember from our earliest days. Just uh, you know, staying up till two, three a.m. playing the original Nintendo. And, yes. Um, yeah, man. Um, lots of lots of fun memories and um, stuff like that. Teaching you your first guitar riff. Teaching you how to shave on vacation. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. That's like cool. that. That's, that's just cool. like. So that. you had a good good relationship with your oh, brother yeah. then. That's yeah, good. absolutely. Probably quite formative, I'm sure. Definitely. In those yeah. in those years. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. That's Definitely. great. So yeah. you're. Get into high school, your brothers. I'm assuming some out of the house for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you you mentioned already that you were kind of a little rebellious in those times. Talk a little bit about that. Like how, what were those years like for you? Those hard years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my, again, just come from a regular old working class family. My dad's been um, working overnights at the grocery store his whole life. Um, been a great job, worked really, really, really hard, uh, to provide for him and his family. Mom would, mom has been, you know, a secretary her whole life. And then she would type doctor's reports for different doctors all growing up. And so she'd wake up at like three type doctor's reports and then get her kids off to school and then, you know, and then go to her, go to her day job and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and yeah, so we, uh, um, Growing up, uh, my older two siblings they uh, they they went to the public school, um, big public school, twenty five hundred kids, and uh, when it got time for me to go to high school, um, instead of sending me to that same public high school, which my brother and sister perceived as having quote unquote you know not the not the best place to go to high school and to have an education, they decided to try and send me off to the local private Catholic high school, and so. Um, all growing up, we were we were raised quote unquote Catholic, right? So we we went to all the all the classes. We uh, had our first Holy Communion, reconciliation, confirmation, like all that, right? So that's that's how we that's how we were raised. And I remember going to like Latin Catholic services, you know, on Christmas at my grandmother's church in in Sharpsburg, PA, and and stuff like that. And so. So yeah, that that's that's kind of that's how we were brought up. That that just you know, uh, not not a lot of like feeling and and emotion, but like you 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 showed that by how hard you worked, right? And so, um, you know, 
Praise God for that. Love my parents to death. They're the greatest people on the planet. My mother has has prayed us into the kingdom, and my dad has worked hard for every single thing that um, that he's provided his family uh, with. And and uh, sometimes as a teenager, though, right, you, you don't exactly translate that in, into into uh, into what your heart needs. And so there was a lot of identity issues that I developed as a teenager, especially um, coming from the family that I did, and then being placed at a at a smaller private school that was that was probably really outside of my family's needs to provide for us and everything like that. And so, um, yeah, that, that contributed to a lot of identity. Like, where do I fit in? Um, you know, uh, who, who am I right now? Where do I fit into the world? What's my purpose and all this stuff? And so, yeah, growing up, um, it just translated into this, um, into this crisis of sorts. Yeah, you know, uh, where where do I fit in? And um, in in turn resulted in a lot of in a lot of rebellious uh, behaviors and everything like that. And yeah. So. so how'd you come to Christ? Yeah, so I came to Christ when I was 19 years old. My brother had been a worship leader at um, at a local church for a while, and um, I wanted nothing to do with it after growing up in a Catholic church, and you know making a mess out of my life, um, was into partying and drugs and all kinds of stuff. And, um, you know, I remember being 19, it was after my first semester of college on the verge of, you know, failing out and everything. And, and, uh, my brother invited me on this church sponsored ski trip and I had no idea that it was church sponsored or else I wouldn't have gone. <laughs> and, uh, he invited me, and I said, "All right, that sounds like fun." So I get, uh, I get all my supplies ready for the weekend, and I'm ready to go have fun and everything like that. And uh, I get in the car, and then I learn out, I learn that it's a church-sponsored event, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, gosh, this is going to be the worst weekend ever." And um, at least I got my that, supplies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and through all of that, um, it's not. The thing I remember the most is that people didn't care that I looked different. People didn't care that I smelt weird. People didn't care mm-hmm. that, you know, I didn't really have anything going on in my life. But they just they just genuinely asked me questions about my life, you know. And, and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. You know, they asked me uh, if I had any plans for my future. They asked me if I had some significant other, like all all questions that you try to avoid as a, as a young person who's lacking a purpose, who's lacking an identity, who's, who's like really going through it. And, and you're just numbing yourself constantly with what the world has to offer, you know, and, and uh, they just asked me these questions and, and they just loved me through it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so I remember being surrounded by those like nine or 10 other, other Christians and, and they just loved on me. And, and I remember we sat down to worship that night and that was the first time where I sang a song to Jesus and I meant it, right? Give us clean heart, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And, uh, and it was just like this overwhelming feeling of peace and like a weight lifted off of your shoulders, you know? And so right then and there, it's not like, okay, like I'm cured, my life is great and everything like that. Like I, it was a long road, a long road to... Uh, to 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 um, being in a spot to where I can even have normal healthy relationships, you know. But but from there it was like okay, like I I think this I think this Jesus dude is real, you know. Mm. And um, exploring every single option after the fact of that weekend, of yeah. Mm. yeah. So, yeah that's good. so you mentioned um, how it took a while to learn how to be in a healthy relationship. Um, talk about the most important relationships in your life right now yeah um uh, introduce important. us <laughs> most important relationship is my wife uh love her to death good answer um <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been married nine years now and uh, we have three beautiful children um nora who's six years old dylan jr who is four years old? All right, and uh, DJ. <laughs> All right, and uh, Theodore, who is two years old in a couple weeks. And nice. So, so yeah, we are. Uh, those are the most important relationships um, that I have. 
currently um, that I would that I would put on a pedestal and that have you know I say this to my wife all the time you know uh, I, I we would I would be lost without her um, you know and uh, yeah yeah I heard you say that you guys met while you were serving yeah uh, what were y'all doing and what was that like what was that uh, dating process for you guys yeah like I said we were camp counselors um, she grew up in Smithfield Virginia and I grew up in the city of Pittsburgh um, right right outside the city and everything like that and a uh, little, little different very 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 different we are uh uh you know opposites in every sense of the word okay um (laughs) but uh it's great you know uh we we yeah it's it's something that we've come to to deeply appreciate about each other and everything and uh yeah so we we met we met serving we were camp counselors and um it was great you know after that first summer we we clicked and we did long distance for for a long time and mm. for us um for me personally it gave me some time to grow and to work on some stuff that i desperately needed to and so it was a really really healthy thing for uh for for a young guy to um to practice communicating to his significant other and and um yeah so we did long distance for a year and um after that moved closer to each other and uh, the rest is history. Where did you propose to her? <laughs> Come on. These are always great stories. Yes. <laughs> and I proposed to her. Gosh, I had this whole thing planned out at the summer camp that we met at as camp counselors. And all the kids were going to cheer and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids weren't there. It was oh, the okay. off season, but all the, all the, it was a staff reunion. Okay. And, uh, there was this, <laughs> there was this little gazebo, uh, probably about a half a mile down the road from the camp where we would sneak off. First kiss and talk. First kiss location <laughs> and talk. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I I got a formed a scavenger hunt, and got the whole summer camp into it and stuff. Oh, like that's that, cool. And got got all the staff into it and stuff. And uh, yeah, so proposed out there, and I came down with the flu that day. And I had to go through with it with the flu. It was. That's your consequence from God for trying to bring more romance into a summer camp. Like it's not needed, bro. No, that's fantastic. That's really cool. And I think I think it's a huge testament that your wife is still serving alongside of you today. Um, What's that look like for you guys? I know a lot of people. I mean, we've even had a uh, an entire episode. Uh, geared towards being a pastor's wife. Um, a lot of people have different definitions as to what it means and their expectations as to what a pastor's wife should do. But um, from my perspective, it seems like she's just always been by your side, loving the people, um, being in the homes, taking care of the kids that need taken care of, um, just being that neighborhood uh, mom um, as needed and friend. Yeah, obviously for us... Um it looks a little different. My wife is a public school teacher. Um, and so that in and of itself is a whole calling is Mm -hmm. a whole ministry, um, you know, which has opened up doors in, in ministry in in countless ways. Um, you know, uh, I will also say that, uh, my, my wife, um, and, and myself as well. One of our, one of the things that we hope to recreate down here in Norfolk is just having that open door policy of ministry, man, like early days, church planting in Jersey. It's like you, you have people over like at least three, four nights a week and they're, and you're just in your home. Like, like after you put your kids to bed and then you're up having late night conversations, praying for folks and learning their story and, you know, just reminding them of the gospel and discipling them. And, you know, it's 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 hard you know when when you have two full-time jobs and then you have three kids and then you come home and you're exhausted and you don't want anything Mm -hmm. else to do on a saturday but then there's like you know the the person who's having a crisis because it doesn't happen on a schedule people's crises don't happen on a schedule and you know they they call your wife and then they need to go out to lunch with them and you know stuff like that and so uh my 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 wife has uh 
has done all of the things <laughs> in every mm-hmm. single sense of being a pastor's wife from leading Sunday school every single Sunday for months and months and months to, uh, yeah, I mean, being the, being the youth leader to, um, you know, just being up front leading, uh, you know, some type of Sunday service and, and all that stuff and having people in her home and, and, uh, yeah, man, part of, part of the struggle as, as a pastor is to never just like belittle her or to, you know, just completely put her on the back, back burner as insignificant and everything like that. And, um, but, but to give her a pedestal to, to, uh, to walk in her calling that Jesus has Mm -hmm. called her. And so, um, for us, that's, that's looked different throughout different stages of our lives from being in seminary to, uh, starting church to starting youth groups to, working at after school programs and stuff like that. But, but again, it's always remained the same of, you know, um, whether it's, you know, you're ministering to teen girls or, um, elementary school students, or, you know, even young women that are coming out of, you know, uh, tough relationships and everything like that. So, um, yeah. So you've mentioned, ministry in Camden, New Jersey, which I know at some point has been the murder capital of the United States. Uh, Gloucester City, New Jersey, across the river from uh, Philadelphia, same general area, but um, row housing, you know, tough neighborhood, little kind of small town within a big city. John and I were able to go up and visit you guys uh, yeah. a couple summers ago, which was fantastic mm-hmm. uh, just to see, this, see the place. Um, and you came here kind of seeking out areas of need. And so you guys have done a lot of ministry in hard places. Um, And you've even said specifically, like, I want to go to the working class. I want to go to the people struggling paycheck to paycheck. I want to go to the folks that, um, you know, um, that are just going to be kind of down and out and hurting. Um, what what's that about? <laughs> and uh, you know, God's clearly given you that heart. He's placed that in you. Um, where do you think that's that came from? So a little bit of origin of that, and then and then what does that look like um, together as you guys have done? Yeah, that? yeah. I know for me, <clears throat> growing up, it was like, uh, you know, in high school, it was like your 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 parents own some landscaping or company or electrical contractor company or they had a union job and they they were a part of the military or something like that and they made enough money and they sent you off to college and you know you you got you got educated and everything like that and then you never came back to the town that you came from right or you know the other side of the coin was you um you know you barely graduated high school you uh ended up um just living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and, uh, you know, just ended up having a couple kids with them, you know, working odd jobs under the table. And then by the time you're, you know, 25, 30, you've experienced, you know, tons of stuff and, 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 and you're dealing with all kinds of relationship issues. You're, you're struggling with mental health, you're going through addiction. And by the time they hit 25, 30, it's like, they're just addicted to porn, weed and video games, you know? And so, um, I, I, I saw that, and and looked at that from that from that perspective and uh so that's that's where it's coming from is is that kind of just living without purpose ineffective just surviving numbing yourself you know uh just into whatever will keep you entertained and occupied and and uh yeah there there is a there is a whole crop of that um, you know, it's the, the, the working class is the largest demographic in America. And this generation that we have is one of the first downward facing that we have, right. in in the, in the history of the United States, mm-hmm. that's, that's 300 years old. And so you have a generation that's, uh, less educated, that makes less money, that is, uh, struggling to launch out of their parents' household earlier. Right. And so you, you have this, this group of, of younger folks, like, um, that, that are, that are doing just that if they haven't, if they haven't launched out and they haven't gone, gone through, uh, the, the basic formal education and everything like that, it's just like they're, they're, they're lying low. They're living under the radar and, and, uh, yeah, man, they're, they're, they're the ones that quote unquote should have made it, but didn't. Right. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's just a very left out, uh, forgotten about, uh, really 
to be honest with you, just like unsexy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, type of ministry to be a part of is like, but they need a pastor. They need somebody to disciple them. They need, you know, so just like, Mm. just like growing up young kid, 19 years old. Well, I was going to ask, do you, do you think that some of it for you is maybe because you could have been that? And so absolutely, God called you out of that. In a lot of ways, it's, um, the ministry we've done in the past and what we hope to recreate down here in Norfolk is, um, yeah, it's a lot like ministering to old, um, old best friends, Mm. you know, um, old, old pals, you know, old people I went to high school with and yeah, just hits home. Mm. Do you feel like God has called you to solve or tackle any one problem? Um, not any one specific problem, um, but to disciple people in terms of reminding them of the gospel um, in every sense of the way, yes. I think discipleship looks different uh, for, for the folks that, uh, that we are passionate about reaching. And by that, I mean, like, you know, there's some folks that, that we're going to be working with that, like, I know that part of the discipleship process for them looks like they need to be told that like, you know, you need to, you need to have your mom stop doing your laundry, (laughs) you know, like you, you need to, uh, you need to get out of your mom's household, stop letting her cook dinner for you and, and and find a stable job, you know? Uh, and that's going to be part of the discipleship process for, for, some of the like for other people it's going to be different but it's got to be that real intense uh you know hands-on um you know uh i don't have words for it but well, life on life yeah, yeah. It's, life it's, on life you know yeah, yeah that's, so. that's really good man you ha- you have the you have the relationship you have the trust established so that you can speak into those areas sure um and yeah, so maybe not any one problem in particular, but um, what what's one of the things you're trying to uh, accomplish in your discipleship that you're like, hey, this is how I was or was not discipled, um, and this is what I want to achieve. Yeah, um, just plain and simple, a love for Jesus in your heart, you know. Um, 100%, uh, wherever you go, uh, wherever God takes you, like just fall in love with Jesus, you know, everything else falls in line after that, you know? And so that's, uh, what just, just hope, just what we hope to instill. And I mean, that's the, that's the purpose of the church, right? Make new, make new disciples, grow more mature ones. So it seems like you're getting into the heart of people's motivations, uh, practically, for those listening, what does it look like and where can they start? Um, is there is there something they can put their hands on? Or is there somewhere they can take their feet? Yeah, uh, open up your life, open up your heart in every sense of the word. Um, you know, open up as in like let So here's what I mean. People in, in, in what do you mean? In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 is Paul's spiritual prayer for power. And he prays for folks uh, specifically that they will allow Christ to dwell in their hearts. And, And so what that means is to dwell in the Greek, it literally means to take up residence, mm-hmm. right? To, to, to be there Tabernacle, in a per- right? Exactly, yeah. right? Yeah. And, so, and so what that means is for us, is is we need to give Jesus the the permission to come into any single room in our lives uh, that that he wants you know he he wants to be in the bottom of the dirty laundry basket uh, he wants to be in the bottom of the dirty sink of the dishes and and he's not afraid to do it without rubber gloves on and so what that means for you and I is like it's great if we go to small group every single week and we share a meal and stuff like, like that's great stuff right but if you only get to the like hey acts chapter 2 talks about this and i think like this is really cool like you're missing a key component of what it means 
um, to to uh, to invite Jesus into your heart, mm. and, and then allow others to speak into that and to and to be discipled yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, one hundred percent sharing your life with other folks, um, in, in in hopes that you know you you can open it up, make room for the Holy Spirit to come in and to dwell in your heart, and that's just one of the ways that we carry one another's burdens, and um, yeah, you know. So to make sure I'm hearing you right. Um, if I'm a small group leader, I am, I need to still go through Acts two, and know the word and be able to Absolutely. bring that word and facilitate good discussion. Um, but I can't stop there. That's yes. incomplete. It I cannot need to be, be just. I need to. I need to be welcoming people into my yes. home. It's it's not it's not Christianity is not a hobby, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that you just like, you know, you're, you're a fan of it. And this is something that we've gone to Sunday school my whole life. And I used to teach Sunday school and, you know, I know all the verses and everything. Mm-hmm. It's way deeper than that. Okay. Way deeper than final, that. final question uh, from, from me right now is I know I've stacked three, but I think this is really good. And what you're saying is great. And um, you yourself mentioned that having two full-time jobs, three kids under how old? A, a few years old yeah. and uh yeah there's i mean everybody's tired right um how do what what are some practical things that you guys have done to be able to free yourself up or is it just that discipline and and the heart motivation that that god has given you guys free yourself how up can we how can we you know take a sip of what you guys are drinking um you know the 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 most refreshing fruit um, that we've seen has changed lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what we pray for. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's in ministry, you have way more defeats than you do victories. Uh, but every once in a while you get that little sweet taste of like, wow, like God really mm-hmm. answered this prayer. God changed this mm-hmm. part of this person's life and, and you see him working right And that. And that, that's where it makes it all worth it, yeah. you know? And so, um, that's where I would say, you know, for, for us and for our family, it's like whether we're praying together, praying with the kids at the end of the day or praying for their classmates or praying together, just my wife and I, you know, the the greatest testimony to the gospel for us has changed lives, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's Abraham that said that he was blessed to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. Amen. Man, they're so good. There's so much I think we could continue on and get into. Let's... Uh, Let's maybe tie a bow on the discussion with Dylan just by talking a little bit about what are you dreaming about when it comes to planting in Norfolk? Um, you got about a, we'll just say, year to two year um, uh, runway right now, setting up through times 12 and uh, coaching. You just went through assessment. Um, you're kind of preparing to plant now out of Little Creek Church and serving at Little Creek Church along the way. So what is, uh, what, yeah, just what are you dreaming about over these next uh, one to two years as uh, God is bringing this church to life um, before our eyes with you at the helm and uh, him taking the wheel? Maybe I don't know, whatever. Yeah, well, you know. We <laughs> couldn't, couldn't go anywhere else with that analogy, but you know what I'm saying. Go no, for no, it, no, no, what, no, what no, 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 that's perfect, that's perfect. The Holy Spirit is the wind. There you go. Ruah. <laughs> yeah. Filling your sails as you're at the helm. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Where are you taking this ship, Jesus and Dylan? <laughs> yeah, <I can't. laughs> so funny. You need a you need a crew, don't you? Yeah, we 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 need a crew. Um, but like I said, we uh, we're looking for a crew of folks that uh, is passionate about making disciples. You know. Uh, that that's that's where we're at. You know, we we want to make disciples of Jesus that become a family together. And so I know one of the things that we are going to be very focused on is absolutely number one worship. Uh, number two is relationship. You know, relationship with God and relationship with others, and and that just will will bleed into the missional aspect of what we hope to uh, to have with our church is is just having that really big emphasis on discipleship relationships. You know. Um, and so we need we need folks who uh, who are passionate about um, literally being 
being in the lives of the sheep, you mm-hmm. know, uh, so much so that that they that they smell like sheep. Right. There's a really good book. Um, I can't mm-hmm. recommend it enough. It's called They Smell Like Sheep by by Lynn and Lynn Anderson. And we, we want them to be so in tune with the lives of the folks in the community um, that they. Yeah, that they smell like them, <laughs> yeah. in, in every sense of that, right? And yeah. that that they that they know what's going on in their lives, that they uh, that they're helping them make key decisions, and that they're coming back and praying with them, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so we've seen huge fruit f- come from that. And uh, if there's anything that we've learned about discipleship, it's not a, you know, hey, you come and you you walk through this Bible study and stuff like that, and then you're magically changed and your life is okay. But you need somebody. Uh, to be with you there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, text message, phone call, uh, in somebody in, in, in inviting people into your house, X, Y, Z. And yeah. Love it. That's Love good. it. Where do we sign up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, man, we're excited to see what, what God's going to do as you, um, as you continue to press forward here and, uh, we're here to support you, man. Um, and, uh, before John ends with one last, uh, fun question for you, what do you want to say to people who are looking to either support or jump on board the ship, uh, as it were? And, uh, what, what do you want to say to those folks right now? Yeah. If you're looking to get involved, uh, absolutely. You can totally email me emails, Dylan at littlecreekchurch.org. Uh, or if you go to uh, multiplythechurch.com, there is a form there that you can fill out, and it'll be sent directly to us to where you can you can say, "Hey, like I want to I want to sign up for this. I want to I want to make some disciples, and and uh, I'm passionate about um, you know just doing some ministry with some regular old folk just yeah. like myself." And and uh, yeah, of course we need we need uh, prayer. Um, 100% we need prayer warriors. Um, personally, my wife and I have been raising money for the past four or five years, and uh, we have a whole prayer team that's just devoted to praying for us and then supporting us financially. We need prayer. We need um, we need people to support us in their pockets. Um, you know, that's 100%. It's a startup. Uh, we want to give uh, folks the opportunity to support with, uh, yeah, with their financial resources um, and then we, we also need people to come and minister to folks that we'll be reaching. So in prayer, in pocket, and with people. Um, yeah. So um, obviously building the prayer team is the biggest biggest thing right now, and you're going to be doing a lot of like grassroots recruiting of people right now. Uh, but really the next step, as you know, obviously, too, is uh, the building of all the, um, uh, you know, a new website and a new um, fundraising packet and all that kind of stuff. We literally just went through assessment with Dylan. So all that stuff will be forthcoming. It'll be on the Multiply website because he's going to be a Multiply church. And so uh, you'll see the links up there uh, very soon. It'll be real accessible. We'll be able to uh, access that um, uh, very quickly here. And so, uh, John, you have a very, very important question to ask Dylan before we end here. I do, and we can't we can't <laughs> rush through it either. Okay. Um Dylan, <laughs> I just want to see you get a little more nervous before I ask. Um, what is one Thanksgiving tradition that you are glad uh, you no longer have to do? <laughs> now that you're the man of the house, right? Like, you love your parents. We heard that. You loved your upbringing. We heard that. But you're really thankful you don't have to do this one. That's what you're thankful for. Um, I remember when we were kids, my brother and my cousins <laughs> used to pick on like the younger ones a little bit. And there was like this little cubby hole underneath the steps in my grandparents' house. <laughs> and after dinner, they used to lock us in there. <laughs> and then they would stand outside oh my and they would, they would uh, make these howling sound like wolves. And it like as a as a six year old, like it was the scariest thing <laughs> ever. And you could just imagine being locked in there in the dark. That's like, and then you just hear Woo! 
<laughs> Sounds like some older cousin and uh, stuff. I that is one tradition. I'm very glad that I don't. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's amazing. You got to nope. pass it down though. Maybe your kids. Maybe you could start that with your kids this year. Yeah. No wonder you like ministry in dark places. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh right. man. That's uh, that. Bring the light, terrorizing. Down. Jeez. Well, man, thank you so much for being with us behind open doors. Uh, we're excited for the new church plant. We're excited to see what God's going to do. And um, man, just God bless you. And um, I can't wait to can't wait to see what comes to life here. Likewise, and it was it was a blast getting to hang out uh, for a few days up in Lynchburg, and just to really get to know you a lot better, man. We're so glad that you're with us and you're on our team, and we're all together. Um, Really, really excited for what God's going to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. I just love talking to church planters. I mean, these guys have got just this this fervor for discipleship, for evangelism, for reaching people who are far from God. Um, and I, I think you hear that today mm-hmm. from Dylan, and uh, it just energizes me. I don't know yeah. about you. What do you think? Yeah, it makes me feel like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean it, though, because here's why. So I feel like that that's one of the reasons why Jesus chose 12 young guys. Mm. Um, maybe some of them weren't as motivated, right, or as hard workers. Maybe they covered the gamut in all, all ways. But um, there's something about uh, people who make themselves available for the mission. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's so true. I just, yeah, as you were talking about that, I was thinking, man, yeah, Jesus was 30. We pretty much know that. Mm. But we know at least half of his disciples were in their early 20s, if not late teen years. Right. Um, Back in those days, that's a huge, huge age gap. That's like a 20 to 40 Mm. age gap probably would be today, I'm guessing. Um, He was a professional. He was a carpenter already. Like, he is already a tradesman, already Mm -hmm. accomplished. I think a lot of people think that Jesus was poor. Um, he wasn't. Um, Probably he, ran his own business. We, he ran his own business. He took over the family business when his father died. We know that the cloak that he wore, that they didn't want to divide at the cross, was not seamed, which meant it was very expensive. So he actually wore an expensive garment mm. <laughs> in most of his time mm. in his itinerant ministry. And so he had to have some sort of reputation like that to be seen as a rabbi in the first place, mm. right? He wasn't just some poor guy that grew up poor. Then we, yeah. we had this idea of a poverty theology. Yeah, that was John the Baptist. Wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Um, and that was a chosen life by right. John to pave the way, right? right. No, that's, that's interesting, though, that... Um, you bring that up because it is like now I'm in my 40s and I'm hanging out with these dudes that are in their 30s planting churches and uh, early 30s. I think Dylan's around 30 and it's just uh, it's it's energizing. Yeah. And, and we need that. 100%. I don't have that much energy. Anymore, right. Like, Dude, I was wondering that <laughs> if, if anybody else was feeling what I was feeling. Yeah. Listening to him. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. I still have that same fervor. Yeah. I just have a lot less of the energy yeah. to actually accomplish yeah. all of it. Sure. Um, and but yet, you know, I had I had one of the guys mentoring me for a bit ask me, "Hey, John, if if you only had three other men that you discipled for the rest of your life, would would that be okay with you? Would that sit with you? Um, fine." And yeah, after thinking about it, I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. If that's if that's what." Um, and if as long as those three have three each, then we're good, mm-hmm. right? Like so, as far as motivations, like I hear this energy and passion from younger generations. We all know that to be a thing. Um, however, uh, when you do see the fruit of it, oh man, it's it's hard uh, to it's hard to stop. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, hats off because I think. I think the reason why a lot of younger people don't step in and do the work is because there's not a lot of other people to the left or the right of them doing it. Yeah. And so it shows Taylor's and uh, Dylan's um, just drive yeah. and uh, and their heart for their neighbors. And it's, it's it, and yeah, and it ha- that drive has to be there at some level, you know. And it's not, and I believe that that is that can be. I think that can be both a learned thing and a God-given thing at the same time, yep. right? Like you have to you have to somehow learn how to 
be driven by the gospel, you know, and not just passion. Like passion wears out, right? But but being driven by the gospel, right. Right. and then as you as you get older, you're driven in different directions, maybe, or and just not. Uh, not not in <laughs> to heresy or anything like that, but you're driven differently by different things. So, for instance, um, you know, in these uh, these couple of weeks here for me is a lot of like sitting at my desk and writing, and I'm actually driven to do that now, and I'm excited about those things now. But good lord, two or three years ago, uh, that I would have glazed over an hour yeah. in and been falling asleep yeah. at my computer, you yeah. know. And so, uh, yeah, just just harnessing what God has gifted you or given you um, as as uh, a gift at the, in the time that you have it, and knowing that that is a God-given thing and being driven by um, that God-given motivation, mm-hmm. and, and, and then like directing that all in the right direction, the proper direction for uh, for you, for your spouse, for your kids, for the people you're leading, whether it's a small group or a church or whatever. Um, man, it is, uh, if you can do that and know that it's a grace-driven effort, mm-hmm. um, uh, man, you've, you've, you've locked in to, to begin to unpack um, how the Lord guides us in, in his will. Okay, now we're starting to have the meeting after the meeting. <laughs> All right. Uh, why a grace-driven effort? What do you mean by that when you say that? Yeah. As so, opposed to what? Yeah, as opposed to feeling like you're doing it to earn the favor of God. So my grace-driven effort is, is I think it's a purposeful statement because it's faith and works that proves you to be a disciple of Christ. But it's not but your works aren't put aren't done so that you earn more of God's favor. Your works are done because of the faith that you have in Christ, right? So a grace-driven effort is understanding that I'm a I'm a product of grace, but there's still work to be done that I have to participate in, put my hand to the plow and get the work done. And though I do it and work my butt off, work my tail off to make sure that it happens, um I'm not doing it to earn more of God's favor. He's not going to love me any more mm-hmm. in the future than he loves me right now. Yeah. Um, so my grace-driven effort is knowing I'm a product of grace, putting in the work, putting in the effort because of the grace given me, not so that I earn more of his favor. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Good answer. Um, that's really helpful. And I like parsing through stuff like that. Um, this is the kind of stuff that we've always said, man, it'd be great to have a podcast one day and actually uh, capture some of these compos. Yeah. Um, so Dylan, um, he's the kind of guy that just has an extra gear for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's great. And, and the last thing that I hope people walk away from this hearing is, wow, he's got an extra gear there where I don't. And, uh so I shouldn't um, even try and pursue it. Uh, give him a shout. Hit him up. Chat with him. Um, you don't have to have people in your home five, four, three nights a week. Um, but um, taking the first step. Yeah, so important. Well, one of the primary roles of Multiply, of course, is to equip our family of churches with the resources they need to multiply these disciples, leaders, and new churches. New churches are led by planners and teams who are prepared on pathways to planting with our Times 12 Church Planting Network. We're excited to partner with times12.org, times the number 12.org. You can go there and check them out. Leaders are developed using our leader pathway. Disciples who want to grow as disciples of Jesus can access our disciple-making toolbox. It's on our website at multiplythechurch.com. But please, 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 please don't do this by yourself. Um, discipleship is uh, is inherently a together process. Um, you know, whether it's you finding somebody to disciple or you being discipled by someone else, um, it, this is a life-on-life kind of thing. And so we want you to go check out those resources. I think it'll help you so much in your journey to discipleship. And for now, it's time to close down the podcast. Uh, but remember... The doors, of course, are wide open here with the Multiply family. Yeah, if you have found this podcast helpful, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
It helps us be seen by other folks who may enjoy a behind-the-scenes discussion like this one. You can also join our Facebook page where we have further discussions about each episode. And you know what? We read these things at the end of the podcast because we actually believe them, and we really want you to go do it. So go share the podcast. Go talk about it and uh, share it with people. Uh, hey, you want to hear what a, what a church planner uh, life is like and how someone's called to church planning? Go listen to that interview that John and Aaron did with Dylan. It was It's really helpful. Um, you want to hear about uh, how to pursue purity with a new dating relationship? Go back and listen to the interview with Pastor Brad. You want to hear about what it's like to be a pastor um, for a number of years, go look at the interview with Pastor Aaron. You want to hear what it's like to be uh, somebody who's passionate about the neighborhood church and church planning, go listen to the interview with Pastor John. Um, so yeah, go just spread the word, uh, talk about this thing, and uh, I, I think it'll be really, really, really helpful. Um, I found a quote, by the way, before uh, Robbie sends us off, a quote by Dallas Willard that says, grace isn't opposed to effort but it is opposed to earning. Mm. Grace isn't opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. So we encourage you to not go and earn more of the favor of God, but go be encouraged by a grace-driven effort um, as you go on with your day today. You've been listening to the Behind Open Doors podcast, where we take you behind the scenes, discovering what it takes to multiply disciples, leaders, and new churches. Let the word dwell richly in you, and may God multiply your efforts for the kingdom.